Good morning, everybody. Let's stand to our feet and let's worship our awesome God together. Sing with us now. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless? In awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. And this is, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Sing it out now. That you would take my place. That you would bear. That you would bear my cross. Your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos? Back into order and makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nation with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. And you know it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who... This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place.
God, he's done so much. Amen. All that you've done for me is amazing grace. hands together like this. Our God is alive. Here we go. I'm alive because you're alive. I am free because you set me free. I'm alive. I'm alive in you, Jesus. I am yours, cause you said it so, I am loved, and you won't let go, I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus, oh Spirit come, bring revival to our land, this hope we have, our God's not dead, He is alive, He is Nothing and no one can stop him. Nothing as strong as our God is. He's alive. Our God is alive. Our God is alive. Hey, death, where is your sting? No sin. Claim on me, I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus. No grace could hold my King, He stands in victory. He's alive, He's alive in me, Jesus. You're alive, you're alive, you're alive in me, Jesus. And He is. He is Jesus, nothing and no one can stop Him, nothing as strong as our God is, our God is alive, He is risen, now we are walking in freedom, nothing as strong as our Jesus, our God is alive. God is alive. Once again, He's Jesus. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing as strong as our God our God is alive. Our God, sing it out. Our God is alive. Amen. Our God is alive. And I am thankful for that. Well.
This new song that we're about to do is based on Psalm 27, which says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We pray that this helps to strengthen and deepen your trust in our trustworthy God. This is called The Lord is My Salvation. The grace of God has reached for me And pulled me from the raging sea And I am safe on the solid ground The Lord is my salvation will not fear I will not fear when darkness falls His strength will help me scale these walls I'll see the dawn of the rising sun The Lord is my salvation who is like who is like the Lord our God strong to save faithful in love my dead is paid and the victory won the Lord is my
sing again, glory. Glory be to God the Father. Glory be to God the Son. Glory be to God the Spirit. The Lord is my salvation. Who is life? Father, we thank you for being our salvation. Because of you, we have nothing to fear. You are an awesome and trustworthy God. And we thank you so much for who you are, for all you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen. You can have a seat. I'd like to invite Pastor Gary up. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Uh, Welcome to Solana Valley Church. Glad to see you. So if you're joining us on Facebook, YouTube, thanks for being with us today. Uh, And we miss you guys. We'd love to see you sometime, but really good to be here. So a couple of things. First of all, let me just say this. Our God is good. Can we agree to that? Can we agree? Okay. And uh, can we agree that the good thing, the right thing to do is to trust in the goodness of God? All right. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. We're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit that's called uh, goodness and so we'll discuss that in more detail here in a little bit. Uh, right now, what I want to do is we're, we're uh, I just want, one of the things that we really want to see as a church is we want to see spiritual renewal in our lives. We want to see spiritual renewal. And I think spiritual renewal looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. I do. I, I think it looks like love. I think it looks like joy. I think it looks like peace and patience. I think it looks like kindness and goodness. I think it looks like faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I I think that spiritual renewal looks like Jesus. I think it looks like the Christ life. I think it looks like leaving a wake behind you, a wake of goodness, and not leaving behind you a wake of pain. And so what we want for ourselves is we want spiritual renewal. And when spiritual renewal catches fire in a church, it becomes revival. When it, become, when it catches fire uh, in a, a community, 
it becomes spiritual awakening. And so what we want in our own lives is we don't want to just go to church and, quote, unquote, be good people. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. We actually want to follow Jesus and live like Jesus. We want to think like Jesus. We want our affections to be shaped by the love of God. And we want our lives to be shaped by the gospel. So that the gospel in us, the good news of what Christ does in us, the power of God to save, touches everybody else around us in a way that, that's, that leaves a wake of goodness that is good. And that's what we want as a church. So I, I want to just pray for us right now and uh, pray for that. Can we, can we do that? God, you are good. You are great. You are awesome. Uh, Lord, you are always faithful. Lord, you are with us. God, you have come to give in us, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to give us more than a li- uh, the American dream. And you've come to give us more than just um, a, a little bit of religion. What you have come, God, what you have come to do is to, to change us from the inside out by the power of the gospel. And, Lord, what I'm going to ask is that you would teach us how to walk by your Spirit and follow Jesus. I ask that you would teach us how to to walk by the Spirit in the rhythms of all of our lives. Not just Sunday morning going to church, but Sunday afternoon going about wherever we go. Monday uh, through Friday, work, Saturday, whatever, hobbies. But I pray that you would help us just to keep in step with the Spirit. And that we would be uh, changed to be more like Jesus so that we are filled with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your self-control. God, I pray for spiritual renewal in our lives. I pray for revival in this church and other churches in our community. And God, what we pray for is we pray for uh, spiritual awakening in our community where lives are changed and a whole community uh, is changed in a way that is really good and it looks like something that only you can do. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. All right. Well, one of the things, one of our values as a church is to be be relationally warm. And uh, we are a church that loves people. We are a church that loves connecting. And so what we want to do is we want to take just a moment. I'd like you to, to greet two or three people around you. If you see someone you haven't seen in a while or someone you haven't met before, uh, reach out to them. Just introduce yourself. Tell them you're really glad they're here. But let's just give each other a really warm Solana Valley Church welcome this morning. Can we do that?
I love seeing y'all greet each other and hanging out. I love it a lot. Let's make our way back to our seats. And you know what? Let's take a moment to worship our good, good Father.
pray, church. Lord, we thank you for being a good, good Father. We thank you for loving us. Your love that knows no boundaries. Your love that is because of what Jesus has done made it possible for us to spend all of eternity with you. Made it possible to live a life of purpose, of meaning, a life where we can bear out your fruit, where people can see Jesus in us and be inspired to say yes to you. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to live lives that please and honor you. You are our good, good Father. In Christ's name, amen. You can have a seat, everyone. I'd like to invite my friend Rich Friedrich to the stage, and he's going to share with us from Galatians chapter 5. Will you please welcome Rich? I don't sing and dance, so that's the only applause I will get. Uh, So a reading from Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Father God, you are good, and we rejoice knowing that our value comes because you created us and you loved us. And because of that, we humbly come before you to listen, to hear, to learn what you have to say to us through Pastor Gary Open our hearts and our minds that we might receive it and practice what we are about to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Rich. Appreciate that. If you have your Bible, I'd like to encourage you to keep that open uh, to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at a few verses uh, in Galatians 5 and Galatians 6. Actually, I'm going to be referencing probably quite a bit of Scripture In this message, this message is the kind that has the capacity to go long, so I'm going to try to streamline everything. Uh, I'm just going to tell you up front. Usually when that happens, it usually means that that a pastor needs more think time. 
He needs more think time uh, about the text or text that he's dealing with. And this one is is a little bit, um, uh, it's just, there's a lot to, to, to speak to uh, on the goodness of God that we're going to address today. So I uh, would like to encourage you to have your Bibles out, or if you have it on your phone, you can do that, Galatians 5 and 6. So um, I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, what kind of awake are you leaving in your life? Okay? I want you to think about this for a moment. What kind of awake are you leaving? Now, what I mean by that is, is, well, let me give you an example from everyday life, and then I'll try to apply it to what I'm talking about in everyday life. Okay? It's kind of like a parable. Uh, years ago, I was a much younger man. I was about 21 years old. Uh, at the time, was living in Budapest, Hungary. And uh, while I was there, uh, just it was a great time, great experience. This right here, that the bridge you see there, say Cheney uh, Bridge, uh, the Chain Bridge. And actually, I, I lived in a little apartment very, very close to here. Uh, and then you see, um, you see the other bridge up in the background. And then here you see a picture of Parliament. Well, uh, the reason I wanted to have this picture up here is that uh, on one occasion, a buddy of mine and a couple of gals, we had gone... We, we had this real nice keelboat, rowboat with the, the fixed oars. Uh, you, the, the seats are on these little, uh, are, are on little rails, so they actually move back and forth. That way, when you're rowing, you can use your legs. And you can actually get a lot of speed in these things. You can get quite a bit of speed. And so we were out. We were on the Danube River. We'd been going down river. Uh, it was a great experience, a lot of fun. Uh, the water was beautiful. Uh, you know, the city, Budapest is a beautiful, beautiful city. It really is. And uh, just having a great time, great time. And, and uh, the thing is, is on the Danube River, it's called the Duna. And they call it the Duna when you're in Hungary. But uh, I, I see Dan's pointing up there, Barbara. You, you, you did a, a cruise right through here, didn't you? Yeah, that boat, that boat. So, so here's the thing is, is that there are boats on that river, and some of them are much bigger than that boat. I don't know if you saw any, but some of them are like, they look like they could be on the ocean boats. They're, you know, they have some boats that are just like really, really large. Maybe, maybe they're not that big, but as a 21-year-old not having been around really large ships before, they were the largest ships I had ever been around. And so uh, the Danube is the second largest river in Europe. So it's a, it's a big river. And uh, it gets a lot of river traffic. So uh, we were in this little keelboat, and we were going, I don't know, we were going pretty good, pretty good speed. And, um, and so when you're rowing, you're back, um, you're not facing, you're facing backward. So you can't really see where you're going. So uh, the two gals who were with us, they were, they're supposed to be watching, but they were busy talking. So I, I for a moment, pause and look over my shoulder and when I pause and I look over my shoulder, there's a wake coming off one of these big ships, okay? And this wake is probably, I don't know, it, it was tall. It, was, it looked like a wave at the ocean, not like a big wave. But still, let me put it this way. The, the wave was much higher than our boat was because the boat is very, it just rests right on top of the water. Has, it's very, very shallow, uh, the boat is, and it's made for skimming, Okay? And I'm looking at this wave, this wake coming off this large ship, and I'm thinking, we're going to die. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's like I was learning how to speak Hungarian, but I didn't, I didn't know how to say, <laughs> guys, we're all going to die if we don't turn this boat right into that, the, that wake, right into that wave. 
And so I'm sitting there and I'm looking, I'm thinking, I don't know what to say. So I said something in English and everybody just kind of looking at me like, what's wrong with him? And I'm pointing and they all look and everybody's eyes get like huge, gets huge. The way hits us sideways, we're sideways into it. We're not heading into it, which is what you want to do on a boat if you're, you're heading into a large wave. And so we hit this, or it hit us, I should say. It hit us, and it was instantaneously, um, just it just flooded with water. And so it immediately sank underneath us. Now, we had no life vest. Uh, we had, um, everything we had was in the boat. And it just disappeared out from underneath us. So we're in the middle of this river, treading water, trying to keep our heads above water. And there are other boats. There was like, I don't, you can see, you get little speed boats out there too uh, sometimes. And so we're like just keeping our heads above water, hoping that everybody around us can see us so that one of us didn't get our head knocked off by one of these, these boats. And so we're treading water. And fortunately, the boat came not all the way to the surface, but just enough to the surface. We're actually able to stand on top of it and keep our heads above water. And one of these speedboats saw us. Uh, they came over to us. They picked us all up. The boat then rose to the rest of the surface. We were able to wrap some ropes around it, drag it over to the side of the uh, the river, turn it back over, uh, and one of the orlocks was wrapped around the boat. So we had to bend this orlock back out. And then we, the gals, we left them there in Budapest because they all live, that's where they live. They have uh, public transportation. So, so my buddy and I, we had to, we had to, to with a broken orlock, we had to, to paddle that boat like 10 miles upstream. Uh, and it was like, so we, we left that morning, I don't know, we left at like 6 in the morning. We got home, then the next day, like 2 in the morning. So it's like super long day. Um, I'm sorry, I got too much into the story. The point I wanted to make is this, is that wake, that wake for us, really created a lot of chaos. You understand what I mean? And sometimes, sometimes in our lives, there are people who can pass through our lives. There are people who can pass through a classroom at school. You can have a student. You can have a teacher. Uh, it can happen at work. It can happen with a problem neighbor. But sometimes in life, there are people who leave a wake of pain, uh, confusion, frustration. You understand what I'm saying here? And the truth is, it's always easier to see the pain and confusion that other people cause. But a lot of times, we can be unaware of the kind of wake we're leaving behind us. We can sometimes, even with people we love, we can sometimes leave a wake that is of disappointment and of pain and of frustration. Or, or on the positive side, we can also leave a wake of good. All of us know people that when we see them moving through life, they leave a wake of good behind them. I, I probably use my wife too much as an illustration, but joy leaves a wake of good behind her. She does. And so the question I'm wanting to ask you is, what kind of a wake are you, are you leaving? Uh, a couple of scriptures I want us to look at here, and then I'm probably going to refer to a few other scriptures. Um, first scripture is what uh, is, is for us what Rich just read for us. Thank you again, Rich, for reading. And what the Bible says is this. 
uh, in Galatians 5.16, this is, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see that? And then in verse uh, 22, he goes on to say this, But the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. And then understand that chapter divisions, verse divisions in the Bible are not inspired. Okay? It's just something, it's a human invention that people put there to help you track stuff better. The, 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 the Spirit-directed life in chapter 6 Paul kind of outlines for us what is that supposed to look like in the way we interact with other people. So he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but then he begins to flesh it out a little bit more in chapter 6. And when he gets to chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. You see that word good? I would underline those words if you have a hard copy Bible in front of you. Uh, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, why does Paul say, do not become weary in doing good? Because sometimes it feels hard. Sometimes we feel like giving up. I read an article this last week. I'd read it on CT, and then a buddy of mine sent it to me, and he sent it to a lot of other friends of mine. All of us are pastors in NorCal. And it was um, a study... uh, Interesting enough, it was a, not a study, but it was an article about kesed. Anybody remember the word kesed from last week? Okay, same word. He was writing this article about kesed, and he was writing about kesed for pastors. And one of the things that he wrote about is this, is that he, he quoted a survey recently from a guy named George Barna, who does a lot of research and stuff. And Barna had said that 38, over the last two years, basically the time of, of COVID, over the last two years, 38% of pastors have thought about or have given up on ministry. Isn't that crazy? 38%. And then what this writer did is he talked about the importance, the priority of kesed, which is, is, is God's loving kindness. And he talked about the story of Ruth. And he talked about the importance of God's kesed with us, his kindness towards us. But he also talked about our kesed, our kindness, our loving kindness towards other people. And he said this, pastors, we can't give up. We need to show Kesed faithful love to the people of our churches, even when it's hard. And I thought, wow, I mean, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. And that's the reason my buddy had sent it to me and to all of our other, uh, a lot of my other friends who are in ministry. It was because he was just wanting to encourage us on uh, in, in what God has called us to do. So um, I got way off track. Where am I at? Okay, so, so bottom line, today what we want to look at is we want to look at, we want to look at what the Bible says about goodness, okay? We want to look at what is this fruit of the Spirit of goodness. So very, very quickly, uh, I'm going to make a confession. I'm going to make a confession before you, and I'm going to talk about something from my personal life, and then I'm going to talk about how I've understood this word, but then what I want to do is I want to talk about what is God saying to us with this word. So there is, uh, uh, Tim Keller says that, that most people, most people have um, 
they, they take the way of either religion or they take the way of irreligion. And by religion, he means doing good, but doing good kind of like a Pharisee. Does that make sense? Relying on your good works to make you good. Does that make sense? So he talks about that, or he talks about irreligion, people who just, they get tired of all those religious people, and they don't want to have anything to do with it. Okay? And for me, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I made a commitment to Christ when I was 16 years old, but in my heart, there lurks a Pharisee. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that sometimes I look, uh, I think that somehow my goodness uh, makes me a better person. Do you understand what I'm saying? I work hard at doing good. I work hard at being good. I go to church. Well, you say, well, Gary, you're paid to go to church. (laughs) That's true, but I wasn't always paid to go to church. But I go to church. I read my Bible, and again, you're like, well, Gary, you're paid to read your Bible. That's true. But I read my Bible long before I was paid for it. You know, in my life, I, I, you know, as a young person, I would be like, you know, I, I don't, you know, well, I did, did speed excessively. I will tell you that. Uh, but but I, I didn't do the really, really, quote, unquote, bad sins. I didn't go around murdering people. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, um, I don't know, what are the really bad sins? Robbing banks? I don't know. Robbing drugstores or whatever. You know, it's like. You know, I didn't do any of the really bad things. And I was doing all those things that a good Christian young man growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas was supposed to do. Like going to church, not, um, you know, not sleeping around, not you know, doing all these things. And I thought of myself as being a good person. But that's not what being good is about. Being good is about something more. It's about something better. Okay? Let me give you an example. Um, it was a Sabbath day. It was a Sabbath day. It's about 2,000 years ago. There's this guy. You may have heard him before. His name is Jesus. Jesus goes into the synagogue. And in the synagogue, there is a man who is crippled. His hand is, quote, unquote, withered. And so he's in this synagogue, and what Jesus does, and, and there are these Pharisees in the synagogue. They're all about doing the right thing, doing good. They're all about doing the right thing. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. That's evil. You're not supposed to, on, on the, the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a day for rest only. And so there's this man, withered hand. And what Jesus does is he invites the man to stand up in front of the synagogue. I love the way Jesus does stuff. It's like he, 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 does it, he doesn't kind of do it in the back. It's like he does it in front of everybody. And so he has this man come up, and then he asks a question to the church. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? Are to do evil. You got this? So what Jesus does is he contrasts doing good with doing evil. Now, according to the Pharisees, it's evil to work on the Sabbath. 
And so Jesus is asking this question. And, and I imagine that there was a little bit of tension in the crowd. Don't you think so? Don't you think, you know, it's probably a group maybe this size, maybe even a little bit smaller, maybe a little more compact because they weren't afraid of COVID. And they're, they're in this room, and there's this guy. He's right here, and he's got this withered hand. And actually, Jesus probably wasn't up on the platform. He was probably down on the ground with everybody else. And he's, he's there, and he's, he's talking with them. And, and I can just imagine there's these Pharisees, and they're like, okay, uh, is he going to break the Sabbath? And, of course, if you read through Luke chapter 6, you'll know that's exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for a reason. They were looking for a reason that they could condemn him. And so Jesus asked the question, is it permissible to do good or to do evil? What kind of a wake are you leaving in your life? Are you leaving a wake of good or are you leaving a wake of evil? I, I love what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's creating this contrast, and he is challenging them and how they imagine religion is supposed to look like and be. And he's breaking all the categories of what they think righteousness is supposed to look like. And then Jesus tells the man to stretch out his hand, and heal, he heals it. Doing good... Um, let me just give you a quick let me give you a, a, a quick um, definition of doing good here, if I can. Okay, so doing good according to Jesus obviously is the exact opposite of doing evil, right? I mean, you see that in Luke chapter six. I know we didn't open to it, but please trust me. Okay, you can read it later. Okay, uh, if you want to, it's Luke chapter six verses six through eleven. All right, so doing good is doing what love would do. When we read good, see, as a young man, I always thought goodness was being very, very moral. Actually, I thought goodness, but I was imagining moral in a moralistic way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I imagined that doing good was being really moral. I didn't want to be like those immoral people. Okay? And I imagined morality in a very moralistic way. That's the way of the Pharisee. To imagine morality in a moralistic way. See, the right thing to do in their tradition was to do nothing. By the way, to do nothing according to Jesus is to do evil. See, a lot of people, they think that doing good is not doing evil, but according to Jesus, doing nothing, not healing this man, doing nothing is doing evil. The whole point of the question of Jesus is, is it right on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? But the religion of the Pharisee is do nothing on the Sabbath. Now, you, you, you might ask, well, Gary, are you really sure about that? All I have to do is turn later in the book of Luke to the story, the parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. A man is attacked. He's beaten, robbed, left naked to die. 
Jesus tells the story. A Pharisee comes up on the man. And the Pharisee doesn't touch him, does not help him. You know why? Because if you touch a dead man, it makes you spiritually unclean. This man might be dead. I can't touch him. So he crossed the road and passed him doing nothing. Then a Levite, another religious uh, leader in Jewish religion, comes, does the exact thing, same thing, does nothing. But then Jesus tells how a Samaritan, and understand that the Samaritans were despised people by the Jews. They were considered to be mixed breeds. Sorry, don't mean to be offensive, but they were ethnically impure. And uh, their religion was, uh, was considered to be contaminated because they had their own version of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament called the Samaritan Pentateuch. And so... In the story of Jesus, it's the, it's the Samaritan who takes that man, nurses his wounds, puts him in the end to be taken care of. You see that the religion of the Pharisees was a religion of doing nothing to help a person in need. But the way of Jesus is to do good by helping the purpose, person in need. Goodness is not, it's not about being morally upright. Now, I'm not saying that morally upright is wrong. There's a lot of scripture that talks about that. But goodness, as it's used in this context, by the way, as it's used in other parts of scripture, is always about showing compassion, showing kindness, uh, doing what's good for others. It's about leaving a wake in your life, not of pain, not of suffering, not of evil, but leaving a wake of goodness. Uh, three thoughts on this, and, and, and I, I just, I, I know this is kind of going all over the place. I got six pages of notes. I just finished page one, all right? Let me make this fast, all right? I got a ton of scripture here. Ton of scripture. I'm not going to read every one of them. Ton of scripture. First thing I want you to understand this, God is good. Just want, just want to get that said. I think it's important for us to understand. God is good, and all that God does is good. Uh, the Scripture says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Uh, the Bible also says this. It says that, that the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. The Bible elsewhere says, the Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In the book of Nabim, the Bible says, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. How good is God? How good is God? He is awesomely good. Okay? He is awesomely good. How good is God? How good is God? God can take evil things, even evil things that people do against us, and make it work good things. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 50, well, if you read through the book of Genesis, you read the story of this guy named Joseph. Joseph was, uh, his brothers hated him. So they one day decided to get rid of him. They were going to kill him. 
Instead, they had mercy on him, and they uh, just beat him up, uh, threw him in a pit, and then sold him as a slave to some Ishmaelite traders who were going down to Egypt. Joseph ends up, he's in Egypt, he's serving there as a slave. He begins to excel at what he does. His, his slave owner, uh, his slave owner um, basically promotes him to being like over all of his household. And in the slave owner, his name was Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife thought Joseph was really cute. So she starts hitting on him. Have sex with me. Sleep with me. Joseph refuses. He says, how can I do this thing and sin against God? She grabs him by his cloak. He runs away. My guess is he's tempted. That's why he's running away. I mean, that's, that's what you do. You run away. You flee youthful lust. That's what Joseph was doing. He was fleeing. He was fleeing the temptation. Cloak in her hand. She tells her husband, he tried to rape me. Who do you believe? Your slave Joseph or your wife? Potiphar believed his wife. So he goes from being a slave to now being in a prison in Egypt. But God is with him. That's what the Bible says. God was with him. God was with him. And then, and then he gets, he, he, you know, the, the chief jailer sees good things happening around Joseph. And Joseph is kind of like put in charge in the prison. From there he ends up. Uh, he ends up telling, you know, interpreting the stream for, for uh, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he's exalted to this high position. And what he is able to do in a time of, of great famine, he was able to help Egypt collect lots and lots of grain that fed them during the time of famine. And, uh, and what it did is it saved many people's lives. Later, the family of Joseph comes down to Egypt He's reunited with his father, reunited with his brothers. And in chapter 50, after the death of his father, his, his brothers were afraid that, that Joseph was going to take revenge. And so they, they were basically pleading with him to have mercy on them. And he said, you know what? What you did, what you intended for evil, this is Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You can look it up. Jesus, or, uh, Joseph said this, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. God, how good is God? God is so good. He can bring good out of all kinds of evil. God is good and all that he does is good. Secondly, God wants to satisfy our souls with what is truly good. In Psalm 107, the Bible says this, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And it goes on. There's kind of a long thing here of things to be thankful for. And then verse 9, he says this, For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. You see, we have empty souls, thirsty souls, hungry souls, and we look for all kinds of things to fill that emptiness, that hunger, that thirst. Uh, Augustine once said this. He said that, that he, he said of God, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Uh, there, Pascal, the uh, French philosopher, um, uh, mathematician, once said that, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that can only be filled by God himself, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. 
See, what God wants to do is we look to all kinds of things to fill the emptiness of our lives. We look to material affluence. We look for vacations. We look for career success. We look for all kinds of things to fill the emptiness of our lives. And all the time, God is saying, hey, here I am. Here I am. I, I am I, I, I'm the, the Lord. I'm the Lord. I, I'm the Lord who is good, whose loving kindness never ceases. And I'm the one who wants to satisfy your thirsty soul. And I'm the one who wants to feed your hungry soul uh, so that it is filled with what is good. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9. God wants to satisfy our souls with what is truly good. Finally, this. God wants us to bear good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of goodness. God wants us to bear good fruit in our lives and to do good for others. Um. We touched on that in, in chapter 6, verse 10. Oh, excuse me, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all speak people, especially to those uh, who belong to the family of believers. That God wants us to do good. He wants us to leave a wake of goodness behind us. Um, I'm going to move to the end real quick. He wants us to do good. What does goodness look like? Um, well, I think a good place to start, Matthew chapter 25, we talked about it last week when we were talking about kindness. But it looks like Feeding the hungry. Uh, to one who's thirsty, giving him a drink. Uh, to, to the stranger, showing hospitality. To the one who is naked, clothing them. To the one who's sick, the one who's in prison, visiting them. The goodness doesn't look like just going to church and reading your Bible. And crossing all the little things off on your to-do list. All the Christian like to, and watch your Christian programming and listen to a sermon and, you know, vote for your Christian candidate and only take your car to a Christian mechanic. Being good is about something way better than all of that. It's about showing kindness to the people who need it most. What the world needs to see in the Christian is not a lot of anger and animosity about the sinfulness of the world. What the world needs to see in Christians is the love, the compassion, the kindness of Jesus. Because the other way is the way of the Pharisee. I I should have put this on a slide. I didn't do it. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship man to come on. Uh, back up. Uh, I'd like to read for you uh, a few thoughts from a guy. His name is Christopher Wright. Uh, he's written a book called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the books I've been reading while preparing for this series. It's a powerful quote. Powerful, powerful quote. I actually, to, to those of you who get our email blast, you, you may have seen this already. If not, you can go home and read it. It's in the email I sent to you. 
But this is what Christopher Wright says. He says, when we respond to the evil in the world, is there evil in our world? Is there? Yeah. When we respond, by the way, everybody gets to choose how they'll respond. A lot of people, instead of choosing to respond, simply react. A lot of people, they react to the evil they see in the world. They watch the news and they react. Instead of choosing to respond, which is the way of Jesus. Jesus always chooses to respond according to the need of the moment, the good of everybody involved. When we respond to the evil in the world by acting in kindness and goodness, we are not only bearing the supernatural fruit of the Spirit of God within us, we are also living in the power of the cross and resurrection. And we are anticipating the final victory of God's goodness over all the evil in the universe. Indeed, we are applying the victory of the cross and the resurrection. It is not, listen, anybody who has any part of a Pharisee in your heart like me. It is not, not at all, not ever that we are doing good in order to earn our salvation. That's not why we do good. We are saved apart from any goodness in us. We are sa- if we were saved by our goodness, every single person in this room would be facing an eternity of suffering, hell, torment. The only way I am saved, the only way you are saved is through what Jesus did at the cross. At the cross, he endured the eternal wrath of God for our sin. And at the cross, he paid the price and became for us the love, the grace, the mercy of God. This saves all kinds of sinners, religious and irreligious. By the way, uh, Christopher Wright didn't say all that. Sorry. He says, indeed, we are applying the victory of the cross and the resurrection. It's not at all, nor ever, that we are doing good in order to earn salvation, but rather that in doing good, in doing good, in doing good, you know the wake you're leaving? In doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good. In doing good, we demonstrate the saving and transforming power of the gospel. What kind of a wake? Are you leaving with your neighbors, with your family, with other people in this church? Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. And Lord, um, well, apart from the goodness of Jesus, there is no salvation. And so we are grateful because you are a good God who is righteous and just and holy, but who also is gracious and merciful and loving. We thank you, God, for providing for us a Savior in the person of Jesus. Lord, teach us more of what it looks like to walk by your Spirit. And teach us, God, how to do what Jesus would do if he were us in whatever we are facing. 
Help us to do what love would do. And I pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks, Gary. Um, This series has been so good, and there's lots of little nuggets that we can take out of it. But there's, you know, how can you go wrong with loving others, being kind, showing goodness to others? I think those are great challenges each and every day for us to take out with us when we go out into the world. Um, At SVC, just back to the announcements, at SVC we love connecting, and therefore we've built greeting back into our service time, and we have uh, refreshments and coffee in the back. And other ways that you can connect are by meeting with our staff if you want for coffee at Journey, Buzz Coffee, Starbucks, whatever your preferred um, location may be. Uh, But you can get connected also through our small groups and our different ministry teams. And if you're interested in joining any of these ministry teams, you can let us know by calling us, texting us, emailing us. There's so many different ways on um, social media these days. Um, So you can get all these opportunities on our app, and you can also go to our website at solanovalley.org. We just want to let you know we are here for you, and we look forward to connecting with you in all those different ways. And also, I just want to remind you about four of the important things that we would like to do during this Life in the Spirit spiritual growth campaign. The first is please make sure um, to make Sunday morning worship a priority. Second, we'd like you to read your Bible every day. Thirdly, we would like you to pray Galatians 5:13 through 26 every day. And then fourth, we would love you to join a small group if you haven't already. And then just as I mentioned earlier, you can find any of them on our app on the website under the groups um, button. Also, now that mask mandates have been lifted, we are excited. However, we just would like to keep in mind that there are some people that are still immune compromised, specifically Pastor Matt and Carolyn and Katie. If you are just wanting to speak to them, if you wouldn't mind wearing a mask, we would um, really appreciate that. And just um, anyone else that might be immune compromised, just keep that in mind. We are um, a family, and we want to love on everyone the best we can. Um, And then lastly, I would just like to close out our service this morning with worship through our giving. We do have five different ways that you can give. You can, again, visit our website, um, and it's uh, forward slash giving. So www.salonavalley.org forward slash giving. You can also tap the Give button on that famous app, SVC app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield, California, 94534. You can also text the word G-I-V-E to 707-883-3019. And then if you're here in person, we all love to say, shove that money in that slot like uh, um, Jet did the other day. So uh, that's behind the sound booth. Thank you again so much for your kindness and your generosity. And we just want to close again with worshiping the Lord in song. Let's stand, everybody.
and let's celebrate the amazing goodness and grace of God. Who breaks the power? Sing it out. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory. The King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory. The King above all kings. And this is... This is amazing grace. Unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you.
Let us not grow weary of doing good, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll see you next time.